Lord bless you. The Lord is faithful. I want to read two scriptures that are kind of the classic scripture passages on Pentecost Sunday. Spoken by Jesus in, in Acts chapter 1. He's raised from the dead. He is speaking to his followers before he ascends into heaven. And he simply says this. We know the scripture well. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the day that promise was fulfilled. Luke writes that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, they began to speak in languages they didn't know before as the Holy Spirit gave them, <clears throat> pardon me, that ability. Well, if you know the Bible at all, you know that after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, the early believers testified, and also uh, Jewish historians who didn't even believe in Christ testified to the fact that this Jesus who rose from the dead actually remained on the earth for 40 days. And many times during those 40 days, he appeared to his followers for the purpose of reassuring them, of dispelling all fear, of assuring them that he is alive. He also took that time to teach them more about the kingdom of God, as well as to speak to them about some things, some final instructions that he wanted to leave with them. Jesus told them, in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he says, when that happens, you will receive power. Now, when we talk about power, oftentimes as human beings, we just think of the more sensational things. And of course, those things do happen. But the word power, actually, in the Greek language, actually simply speaks to ability. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will receive the ability to be and to do things that you cannot do in your flesh. You see, from the very beginning, the, the, the moment we come to receive Christ, he wants to introduce us into a realm where we understand that humanly we have limitations, and we can't serve the Lord in the power of our own flesh. The Lord didn't save us just to be good Christians, just to kind of live a Christian lifestyle. He says, you will receive power. I will introduce you into a realm where certain things happen that normally cannot happen, but they happen because I live in you, and I'm actually working through your life. So the word power has to do with ability. And that power was never meant to be just a one-time experience. And I'm speaking to Pentecostal people this morning, or those who, you know, hold to the Pentecostal faith, you might say. If you were baptized with the Holy Spirit a long time ago, that's wonderful. But that was a long time ago. It's got nothing to do with today. You see, it wasn't meant to be a one-time experience. In fact, one of the primary reasons for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because Jesus wants to introduce you and me to a whole new way of life. It's not just a one-time thing, but a whole new way of life that actually needs to be established. It needs to be nailed down from the very moment that we give our lives to Jesus Christ. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached in Acts chapter 2. He said, repent, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, new Christians in the early church, they were taught to expect the baptism in the Holy Spirit immediately after they came to know Jesus Christ. 
There wasn't meant to be a long season. It wasn't meant to be something that was optional. Why was it so important that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, receive this promise as soon as they came to Christ? It's because Jesus wants you and me as his followers to be exposed to a personal experience in him that is so undeniably supernatural that the miraculous becomes a way of life. That we are spoiled for the ordinary. That we are never content just to embrace a lifestyle, a new kind of religion, but instead to actually have an encounter in him that we know is supernatural. Now, some people ask, but Paul, don't you receive the Holy Spirit when you first come to Christ? And the answer is absolutely yes. In fact, speaking of the Holy Spirit in John 14, Jesus told the disciples, the world cannot receive him, that is the Holy Spirit, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he lives with you. The Greek word is para, P-A-R-A. He lives with you. He's around you. And he will be, future tense, in you. Two different words. Now, at this point, the disciples were not born again in the New Testament sense of the word because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross. So Jesus is saying, through the cross, I'm going to do something so that the Holy Spirit's not just with you in the sense of following you around, but he's actually going to come and live in you. That's going to happen after I go to the cross and rise from the dead. And so Jesus did that. And in John 20, after Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, John 20, 22, we read that Jesus said to the disciples, he said, now he breathed on them. What did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. What was he saying? This is the fulfillment of what I said to you earlier. The Holy Spirit is around you, but now that you are born again, saved, you've put your faith in me, I've risen from the dead, now I breathe on you and the Holy Spirit now dwells in you, just like he does in you and me today. Now here's the key. Then Jesus tells these same disciples, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Greek word is epi, E-P-I. So the Holy Spirit will be with you, para. The Holy Spirit will be in you, N is the Greek word, E-N, in you. But there's a third. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he will come upon you in power, and you will be my witnesses. What's he saying? You will be witness to the fact that you have not just embraced a new religion, that this Jesus did not just bring a different way of living like all other religions. People will see me in you. You will be on fire. There will be a blaze in you. You will be evidence for the fact that Jesus is alive. This is not just a religion, that you actually know your God. That's the difference. And you will come upon you in power. In 1 Samuel 10, we have a beautiful picture of this. The prophet Samuel has been told by God to anoint a man named Saul as the first king of Israel. And what Samuel does, he says to Saul, listen Saul, before you are king, before you ever step into that office, before you are ever going to be allowed to have authority over God's people in this kingdom, you need something. More specifically, you need someone. You need the Spirit of God. And he says this in verse 6 of 1 Samuel 10. Samuel tells Saul, The Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you with power, and you will prophesy with these prophets. And you will be what? 
changed into a different man. These are the exact same displays that we see on the day of Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Keep the scripture in mind from Samuel. It says, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, suddenly there came, as it were, a sound of a what? A mighty rushing wind. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And they began to speak in other tongues, prophesying about the goodness of the Lord, and they were changed into different people. In fact, they were so changed that when the gospel was preached, there were 3,000 people on that day alone who were freed from darkness and came into the kingdom of God. And these weren't just 3,000 nice people. These were 3,000 pagans. These were 3,000 people who'd been bound for years in darkness of religiosity, of, of paganism, of witchcraft, you name it, whatever it may be. Those chains were broken by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were ushered into the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life and mine. He wants to rush upon you with power, and he wants to change you. And he wants you to give the authority. He wants to give you the authority, like Jesus said to the disciples when he rose from the dead. All authority I give to you. And he wants to give you that authority that wherever you go, you are able to confront and to overthrow the powers of darkness and to see people being set free. That's what the Lord has for us. Now, if I had to give one reason why I believe the baptism with the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for every single believer and for us to walk in that fullness of the Holy Spirit, I would sum it up in two words. They simply are standing power. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to be established. He wants from the day that we know Jesus, he wants to nail down the fact of who we are as daughters and sons of God. And he wants us more than just to believe it. He wants us to experience something so that we know who we are. We understand there's another realm out of which we operate that brings change in this realm in which we live and sees lives radically changed for the gospel for Jesus Christ. He wants us to be able to stand. The Bible says, for example, in John 20, that after Jesus died on the cross, understandably, we were in the same way, what did the disciples do? You would find the disciples locked in the room, the doors barred, absolutely terrified of the religious authorities. But on the day of Pentecost, when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, what was different? Now they're standing in front of those same authorities who were threatening them, if you talk about Jesus, we are going to beat you. We may even kill you. And these same disciples, rather than being afraid, they say this in Acts chapter 4, you decide whether we should obey you or God. But we cannot keep quiet. We must speak about what we have seen and heard. And I don't believe they were only talking about the things that they'd seen Jesus do over the years they followed him. That was definitely part of that. But I believe what they were also speaking to was the day of Pentecost. I'm sorry, brethren. I know you're religious. I believe you're sincere, whatever. But I got to tell you, we have met God. We've seen the other side. There's more to what God intends for us than just the religion, the empty, powerless religion that you offer. If you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us. If you're going to kill us, you're going to have to kill us. We cannot deny what we've experienced in God. It's not just something we believe. It's not just a new, you know, religion that makes sense. No, we have encountered God. That was the day of Pentecost. And then later when they were alone again, they had 
they've been taking a few days ministering and preaching and, and feeling the opposition of the religious authorities. What did they do? They didn't cower again. They said, oh, Lord, we, we need a fresh filling. And they got together again to pray. And what happened? The place where they, shook, where they were meeting, it shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And what did they do? The very thing they prayed for. They prayed for, Lord, give us boldness. And it says they were baptized afresh in the Holy Spirit, and they went out boldly proclaiming the kingdom. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us as well. Now, I just want to answer a few questions this morning on Pentecost Sunday that relate to uh, this topic, and I believe this experience the Lord wants for all of us. One common question is simply this. Are there conditions to being baptized with the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised? And the answer is yes. Not in a restrictive way in the sense that it's for some and not for others. This promise is for everybody. But as we saw in the scripture earlier, when the crowd had seen what was going on, and they asked Peter, what is this and how do we get in on this? Peter says in Acts 2 and 38, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the very first step is repentance. What is repentance? It is the complete surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. It's the laying down of life as you know it is understanding your need for a Savior, being forgiven of your sins, to come into the kingdom of God. It begins with repentance, and then there's spiritual rebirth, there's water baptism, and then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every one of those steps, what do they do? They actually open up the way for the next step. They open up the way for what it is the Lord wants us to experience. Now, I believe, of course, that people can be baptized with the Holy Spirit before they've had the opportunity to be water baptized. Obviously, that can happen in some cases, but the point is simply this. The promises of God, I don't care what they are, but we're speaking with the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. The promises of God are never experienced by those who are casual toward God's commands. Remember that. Whatever the Lord has promised for you, if your attitude is, well, when I get around to it, or if your attitude is, well, that's probably not for me, or even if you believe the lie, well, I'm not good enough, whatever the case may be, the Lord says this promise is to you and your children. I want to start something in you, mom and dad, that is so undeniably real that your children see the difference that Jesus has made in your life, and they want the Holy Spirit too. They want the Holy Spirit's power and purity to impact their generation. The Lord says, it is for you, but you can't be casual. Listen, one of the reasons it takes some people so long to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, if we're honest, is because we're just casual. Well, Lord, that's wonderful, but it's probably for somebody else. It's wonderful, Lord, but you know, whatever. It's not going to happen in that way. And that leads me to, to one more condition, and that is there needs to be a deep sense of need. There needs to be a genuine desire for more of God before you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Jesus issued this challenge in John 7. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, according to the scriptures, this is what's going to happen, he says. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And by this he meant the Holy Spirit, 
whom those who believed, that is, they were already saved, rebirthed, regenerated, those who were saved would later receive. And the reason they would later receive is because Jesus had not yet died on the cross and risen from the dead and ascended to the Father. But he says, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. And then notice Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, he is going to flow out of you. And I think the reason that's so important is we need to understand that it's not so much about how much you hold. It's about how much you overflow. That's why the Lord, in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is intended to be right after salvation, he wants us to nail this down. To understand that following him, being a child of God, being a Christian, whatever label you, you, you choose, it's not just about what you know. It's not about your theology. It's not just about, you know, what you've, what you've learned over the years. It's whether or not the life of the Spirit is actually flowing through you and bringing a freshness, bringing a, a growth, whatever it may be. There needs to be an overflow. Friends, if you've been here for any period of time, you know that we believe in the importance of the truth of God's Word. We believe, I believe, in sound doctrine. And I've said this many times before, but with all my heart I mean it. I am less concerned as your pastor with just being theologically correct. I am more concerned with being spiritually alive. There is a difference. And you don't have to choose one or the other, right? But the, the letter itself, the word itself, Scripture says, it's dead without the Spirit. It becomes religion without the Spirit. But when the Spirit of God is, dwells in His fullness in us, what does He do? He makes the Word come alive. So the Word is not just rules that we follow. The Word is full of living power, and by the Spirit, we actually expect the Word to come alive. So when Jesus says in His Word, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. We believe that by the Spirit. We don't tolerate being bound. We don't tolerate bondage in our homes or in lives around us. We expect the Lord to bring freedom. Whatever the promise of the Lord is, they are as good as done to those who believe. That's why the baptism with the Holy Spirit, an encounter with the living God that convinces you that He is true and real, not just someone you believe in, but somebody you have met in, an, in a real way, experiential way. That's why I believe it is so absolutely imperative. The Lord wants to introduce us to a way of life. So that as you live and as you minister and as you give out or you just walk with the Lord through the course of the week, we've all had the experience. You know, you're just living as a believer through the week, but you just kind of kind of feel a little dirty at the end of the week or a little polluted or whatever the case may be. You know, we're just, we're just walking among sin every day. We're hearing stuff. We're hearing conversations, whatever it is. The Lord wants us to come back to him and be refilled and refreshed and empowered. And if nothing else, even just, just experiencing his touch and his love again. Because he doesn't want us to ever be content with being empty. He wants us to know that we can live in a fullness. Now another question that's commonly asked is how do you receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe that God is not limited to just one way of fulfilling his promises. I don't believe any two of us necessarily experience receiving spiritual things the same way. So we have to be really careful that we don't turn our experience into a doctrine. It's got to be rooted in the Word of God. It can't just be, well, this is what God did for me, so he's going to do it for everybody, okay? We know we all have different lives, backgrounds. The Lord works in very unique ways. But having said that, I also want us to understand that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not just about something that you feel. It's about something that we believe that Jesus will give to us because he's promised us. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God. And we must believe that he actually rewards those who sincerely look for him. So what I'm saying is this, is that we're not just talking about a feeling. We're not just talking about a thing. We're actually talking about with the gift of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are actually talking about a promise that the Lord wants us to believe and to receive. Please understand me. When you receive this promise, let me let you know a secret. You actually get it. You actually get what it is the Lord has promised you. You don't have to play mind games. You don't have to do theological acrobatics, the kind of thing. Well, I think I got it. I guess I got it. No, 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 no. You will know. You will know. You receive the Holy Spirit and power, and nobody will have to tell you. Don't confuse receiving the Holy Spirit with merely thinking you've received the Holy Spirit. Or merely assuming that the Holy Spirit is in you. Many Christians say that they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, he has never come upon them in power. You see, the Holy Spirit lives in you when you receive Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come and make his home in you. I and the Father will come, make our home in you. They live in you. But Jesus said this, just like the King Saul, don't you dare begin to step out in kingdom business. Don't you dare begin to try to exercise any authority until you receive the Holy Spirit and power. Until you experience him in power. He says, wait until you've received the promise. So we need to keep our heart open expectantly until we know that Jesus has baptized us. And I want to encourage us this morning, never substitute thinking for experiencing. When the Holy Spirit comes, my friends, you will experience him. You will experience that intimacy. You will experience that personal relationship, right? What would you think if you're a married person and somebody says, are you married? Yeah, I got the paper. There's a whole lot more to marriage than just the paper. There's the honeymoon for starters. Seriously. It's a beautiful picture of how a man and a woman who lived independently in their own lives, their own kingdoms, you might say, they come together and they become one. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, a portion of that, part of that is for the Lord to make us one with him in the Spirit. So we're no longer just doing our thing, living for ourselves, limited by our natural thinking. We actually become one through the new birth, and then we become we, we, we brought to the Father, and we actually experience him. And we know that we know that he's real. It's not just something in our head. So I want to encourage us this morning. You don't have to persuade Jesus to give you what he's already promised to give you. You just need to come and receive. But come expectantly. I don't think it's a coincidence that quite often when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's oftentimes in the context of worship. And I really believe the reason for that is because the very posture of worship is one of yieldedness. When I'm worshiping the Lord, what am I doing? I'm surrendering. I'm letting go of control. It's not like the Lord's taking me over. You see, I'm engaging my will. I'm engaging my spirit and saying, Lord, I choose to worship you. Lord, I choose to believe what your word says about this or the other thing. Or Lord, you say, come to receive. I'm coming to receive. 
And we're going to be taking some time. The reason we flipped the service this morning is we're going to take time after the message to worship the Lord and to open our hearts to receive. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Lord wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit a long time ago or recently, the Lord wants to fill you again, right? If you're doing any kind of ministry serving the Lord, you're always going to need refilling. Lord, I need refreshing. I need, I've been draining all week, pouring out. Lord, I just need to pour back into me. And that's what the Lord wants to do, according to Ephesians. Be ongoingly filled with the Holy Spirit. So the point is, there is something for all of us. But what we need to do, and I want to encourage us as we move into worship afterward, I want to encourage you, don't just sing the songs. We're going to have songs on the overhead like we always do during worship. In fact, I encourage you, don't sing them. Allow the worship team to sing these songs over you. You focus on Jesus. And wherever you are in your walk with him, start from there. If you just need to come and say, Lord, I just need to ask you for some forgiveness here. I just need to get washed up a little bit in some of these things. I want to prepare my heart to receive. You focus on the Lord and say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. Lord, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Or baptize me afresh, whatever it means. You see, in the context of worship, quite often, the reason we are filled with the Holy Spirit is because it's just like water baptism. If I'm being water baptized, what do I do? I actually give myself to the Lord, or should I, to the one who's baptizing me, right? And I let go. And I let them baptize me. Put me under the water, bring me back up. And when it comes to being baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's the same principle. I let go, I surrender to Jesus, the one who does the baptizing, and I simply receive the promise that he's offered to give to me. Well, why is it that some people seek so long before they're actually filled? I don't think we have to. In fact, when you read the book of Acts, you don't really see any case after the day of Pentecost. You don't see any case where people were seeking for a long, long period of time. You see, very simply, people who were told there's a promise, and they come with expectant hearts. They open their heart. Oftentimes, they're prayed for, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be very clear as well, that when you surrender to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean that he takes you over. We all come from maybe different backgrounds in, in, in faith, in Christianity. And some of us maybe come from backgrounds where we've been kind of taught or we've come to believe that when a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit, they're just crazy. You know, they just speak a lot of gibberish. Well, I'll get to it in a second, but any language sounds like gibberish if you've ever spoken before. I could stand here if it was possible and speak Swahili to you. You're going to say the pastor's lost his mind. Or I speak Mandarin. You don't understand a word I'm saying. Pastor just speaking gibberish. It's an actual language. It's just not one I've spoken myself before. So just keep that in mind. But when we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, again, it's not that he just takes over and we lose control. I know some people just kind of refuse to let go and let the Lord have his way because they're afraid the Lord's going to embarrass them. Or they're going to do something real crazy. Don't worry about that. I, I see the image in Exodus chapter 3. Here we have Moses who's just minding his own business. And he comes upon this bush that is burning, but is not consumed, right? It's just a glow with the presence of God, and the Lord begins to speak to him. In the same way, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, when he fills us, why does he do that? Because he wants you to be a glow in our life that's caused by the presence of the Lord. But though the Lord has filled us, he does not burn away or consume our personality. What he burns away is any dross, any heaviness, those kind of things. He'll, he'll cleanse us and refine us, but what is he doing that for? So that the real you that Jesus has made you to be begins to shine through. 
That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry about becoming some kind of mindless zombie, you know, those fanatics. You just simply allow the Holy Spirit to take over, and you allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in your heart, and then it go overflow through you. Well, here's another question. Is speaking in tongues the only proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, hear my heart. I wasn't raised Pentecost. That can be good or bad. They always call me Baptocostal. But I'm actually contending for things in our denomination that some of our Pentecostal pastors aren't contending for. Because I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enables you. But when it comes to speaking in tongues, if you say to me, Pastor, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and I don't speak in tongues, I'm not going to argue with you. If you honestly believe that you've had an encounter with God through the Holy Spirit and, and, and He's made Himself so real to you and you've been baptized with power, wonderful. But here's the difference. I would tell you, if you're not speaking in tongues, you can speak in tongues. That's all. You may not have yet spoken. In fact, I know people, even in my family, who I know were baptized with the Holy Spirit. But because of certain hang-ups, they never spoke. I don't think my wife would mind Vanessa. She shared her testimony here many years ago before. She was raised in a Pentecostal home. The Holy Spirit was talked about every second Sunday night service. People went up to receive the Holy Spirit. And remember back in those days, wonderful experiences, but there were also times when people gather around you, right? And they're holding on to you, and they're shaking you, and some are saying, hold on, some are saying, let go. You know, you're just, you're just kind of in the middle, you know? I mean, people have had that experience. My wife's not into that, okay? Some of you may enjoy that. Uh-uh, not for her. And yet she had intimate, beautiful times in, in service in her private life in the Lord. And yet she never spoke in tongues. Now, I'm a Pentecostal pastor, and I believe what I just told you. But I told her different times over the years. I said, honey, I have no doubt you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. I think the issue is you're too self-conscious that when you're up front to a fear of losing control, you see, a fear of the spotlight being on you. Because she's a quiet person in that, in that sense. And we had done a, a book study probably about 10 years ago now. She was, oh, I was going to tell you her age. I can't do that kind of, because um, you'll do the math. But uh, she was advanced in years. In other words, hey, I'm 60, okay? We're kind of the same age. So, but the point being, what I mean by that is that she was well into her walk with the Lord for many, many years, probably 40 years in her walk with the Lord. And so we had done this book study called The Beauty of Spiritual Language, Jack Hayford. We went through the book study for a number of weeks, and we were all done. And she's an avid reader. She actually went home by herself one Saturday. She was by herself. She went through the book again. Not that the magic is in the book. And there's a simple prayer at the end of the book. And she just simply knelt by the couch. And she said, Jesus, you know I believe, but you know what my fears have been over the years. Jesus, would you baptize me with the Holy Spirit? And she just felt this willing up in this language that didn't make sense of the natural mind. But she said, Lord, I'm going to step out in faith and believe. And the Lord gave her this language that was so undeniably it was almost like a Mandarin kind of thing, but it was just so undeniably not something she would have made up. And then the Holy Spirit just began to overflow. And she spoke in tongues and worshiped the Lord, and the, the Lord gloriously baptized her in the Holy Spirit. So we all may come from different reasons, different experiences as to we feel we've been baptized with the Spirit. So if you say you have been, I'm not going to argue with you. But I would tell you there's a promise yet for you to receive and to exercise and to move and that has beautiful purposes. 
So along with that, we also see Jesus said, you receive power. So there's other evidences as well when you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, the love of God has been poured out into your hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to you. So there's other evidences of the Holy Spirit's fullness. But the initial physical evidence he wants you to know is speaking with other tongues. And I'll tell you why in just a second here. Let me answer the question, how do you speak with other tongues? How do you speak with tongues? I told the first crowd, okay, everybody follow me. Ready? (laughs) Just kidding. Not going to happen that way. (laughs) When the Bible says this, the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. What that means is when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, they didn't lose control. They didn't go into a trance. What did they do? They actually exercised faith. It means that they cooperated with what Jesus was doing inside. They felt the Lord. They felt the Lord calling them. They felt the Holy Spirit doing something in them. And they chose to begin to speak. In other words, they opened their mouth. You see, you will never speak in tongues if you don't move your own tongue. You see, doesn't matter how much the Holy Spirit wells up within you. If you keep thinking, oh, this is just me. I'm just making something up. This isn't God. You will shut it down. And the Lord's not angry at you. are disappointed. He understands. But I'm honestly convinced, and I've shared this before, but one of the reasons I believe the Lord wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us the evidence of speaking in tongues is not only for the beauty of the spiritual language, it's not only for the purpose of prayer, intercession, spiritual warfare, you name it, all those different things. I'm convinced over these last few years as we've been stepping out more, trying to hear from the Lord in the marketplace, trying to step out and minister to people, I'm absolutely convinced from the very beginning the Lord wants to do something within us that in order for it to be least, it has to bypass the natural mind. Because you see, in your natural mind, you're thinking, this is just me. This sounds crazy. This is just gibberish. What, what, what is it? Paul says, it's your natural mind that not only does not understand the things of the Spirit, it actually opposes the work of the Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is going to have his way in you, you and me and the, as the people of God, we have to start listening to that still small voice. We have to start listening to that simple prompting when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and our natural mind is saying, no, that's just you. Don't do that. You'll embarrass yourself. Don't do that. God won't show up. Don't do that. What if? And your spirit says, shut up, natural mind. I'm going to listen to the Spirit and I'm going to step out. And you know what? If I was wrong, there's no big loss. I've prayed for folks for healing and the marketplace, the stores, whatever the case may be. I've seen folks healed. I've seen sometimes folks weren't. But I can promise you every single time they felt the love of God. They felt the presence of God. And the Lord was teaching me something else, something else, whatever it may be. But there will never come a time, I don't believe, or at least seldom, when as you step out for the Lord, that you won't hear that other voice saying, no, that's just you. Don't do it. Don't embarrass yourself. Why? Because if the enemy can get you to walk in the, try to walk in the Spirit in your natural mind, it'll never happen. You have to learn to hear the voice, and you have to learn to get past your natural inhibitions to see the Spirit flow. So the question is, how does it work? Usually two ways. Number one, you'll usually sense, and it may not be in this order, we're all different, but a lot of times as you're worshiping the Lord, you'll just, you'll just sense some words that come to mind. And if you do, I encourage you, just open your mouth and begin to speak. I understand when people say, I don't want to, you know, I want it to be the Lord. I don't want to be me. I don't want to make it happen. Don't worry about that. You're not trying to make it happen. What are you doing? You're beginning to speak. You are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You're opening your mouth and allowing your tongue to move. There's a dear lady, I remember in Newfoundland in our church, loved the Lord, ministered powerfully. Her 
prayer language was just basically beady, 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 beady. That was it. Doesn't sound too impressive, does it? But she moved in power. Beady, 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 beady. It reminded me of Will Rogers, that old space movie years ago. Had the little robot. No, no word of a lie. It sounded just like that little robot. Beady, 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 beady. You see, you know what I'm talking about, right? Again, foolishness to the natural mind, but mighty in the spirit. Stepping out in obedience or cooperating with what the Lord is doing. So a word may come to mind. Speak it out. And secondly, a physical sensation. In other words, you just begin to feel so full that you just need to let it flow. And again, don't worry if it sounds like gibberish. How many of us, when we were born, came into the world saying, Good morning, Father. Nice to meet you, Mother. Right? Didn't happen. In fact, we didn't even speak for a long time. And when we did, there's a reason why of it being gibberish. And again, one of the reasons I think the Lord allows it that way is He wants to humble our natural mind, our flesh. And understand that the kingdom is for children. It's for those who come with childlike faith and step out. And so this morning we're going to take some time and just allow the Holy Spirit to be poured out and just to receive this morning. But I want to encourage you to understand that the baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire, speaking in other tongues, it would have been a really bizarre way for Jesus to birth the church 2,000 years ago if he didn't plan on doing the same thing for 2,000 years, right? Why birth the church like that? It's kind of like the Lord saying, you can read about this stuff, you just can't do it. Yeah, you can read about miracles, but it's not for you. It died with the apostles. Foolishness. We're ministering to the same world, the same need, even darker than before. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the dynamite of the Holy Spirit if the kingdom of God is going to penetrate the culture in which we live and see thousands of people set free. And so this morning as we move to worship, can I give you a simple instruction? And when we stand, I'm going to ask the altar team to come, the ministry team to come right away. But as we worship the Lord, can I encourage you, number one, don't sing the songs. If you want to sneak one in once in a while, that's okay. But in other words, engage your mind, engage your spirit. Don't just kind of sing the songs. Allow the songs to wash over you. Allow the worship team to minister to you. You focus on Jesus. Just simply come to the Lord and say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Or fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Amen? We're going to move into that time right now. And Pastor Krista may give some instruction later. But if you need to slip out, we just ask you to do so reverently in a while. But do take some time. If you want to come to the altar, folks are here to pray with you. If you want to find a place and just kneel, do that. But you can also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right where you are. But I encourage you, as the Holy Spirit moves upon you, begin to speak out in faith and allow that river to begin to flow. Because the Lord wants to introduce all of us to a way of life that doesn't just contain the Lord, but actually overflows in the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Can we stand together? Ministry team, would you come? Amen. The Lord bless you. Let's just take a posture for a few moments this morning. I've just received. If you've been baptized before, Lord, I pray for fresh fire, a fresh burden for the lost, fresh power, oh God, purity. If you've never been baptized before, open your heart to the Lord as well. And feel free to come. We'd love to pray with you, and we believe the Lord will fill you. God bless. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com. And follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.